Welcome to the Better Together podcast, supporting seniors in the Willamette Valley, with your hosts, Sean Sybin and John Hughes. And now, here's Sean and John. Mr. Hughes, Merry belated Christmas. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well. And uh, I actually enjoy the snow we've had. So uh, I know some people don't have that same uh, affinity. I've enjoyed it as well. It's it's been I'm glad it's not continuing, but it's been nice to look out the window and and see um, see how beautiful it is for sure. Yep, I definitely agree with that. Yeah. How was uh, how was your Christmas holiday? You and the family have a good time? Yes, it was very good. Good, good, good. Well, I'm uh, I'm excited for today's show. Um, a, a little disclaimer: uh, we had Dara Queen, who's a um, certified empathy Alzheimer's and dementia uh, empathy trainer, scheduled, but sounds like she's came down with strep throat. So um, it's just going to be uh, you and I today talking about Alzheimer's, dementia, empathy training. And the difference between kind of knowing, is it Alzheimer's dementia or is it old age, which I know you have a lot of experience uh, with talking about yourself. Yes, I do. Um, And, you know, that's a real common question that I encounter is, hey, mom or dad's having some issues. Mm -hmm. Should I be worried or not? Um, and, And that's always a great question because there are things that happen with our brains as we get older that is normal aging. And then there's different types of dementia or other cognitive illnesses that attribute to things that just are not normal. And it can be hard to know the difference. For sure. And it can be hard to know what to do or where to go. Um, because I know from personal experience, there's a certain amount of embarrassment. There's a certain amount of humiliation. I think there's a certain amount of shame that comes with uh, cognitive decline and memory decline, which we all know is a normal part of the aging process, right? But what I think a lot of people don't realize is all the different types of dementia, um, what it is exactly. what, how does Alzheimer's play into that? And my hope and goal for this, for this episode is to not only be able to, to share my story of, of my dad and, and what my family and I went through um, in, in 2019 with the, with the disease and kind of put it, put that out there in the, in the universe, but hopefully have some, some statistics, some resources some tools that families can use and have access to that they can rely on and depend on if they start to question or think or know that a loved one or somebody really close to them is, is, you know, having some of these signs and symptoms. So. Right. And, you know, when people ask, well, how do I know, where do I go to get tested? You know, there, there are a lot of different answers to that, mm-hmm. but a simple one is the Alzheimer's Foundation of America. 
you can go to their website yep. and you can look for one of their certified testing locations. That doesn't necessarily mean it's a doctor's office or anything because my office is one of those certified locations, mm -hmm. but it means you can get, have a test done. It takes probably 15, 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. It's a snapshot in time, um, but it gives you some idea. And what I tell people is if you do something like this once a year, you kind of have a baseline, just kind of like your annual checkup with your primary care yep. doctor. You know, if you come in once a year or twice a year, whatever, you have that baseline and all of a sudden, if something's different, the doctor's aware of it, even if you may not realize it or acknowledge it yet. Um, so, so knowing your cognitive baseline is kind of important in my opinion. Um, and there are fairly simple tests that can be done yep. to get that baseline and figure out whether it's changing. Um, you know, another thing people need to keep in mind is if somebody's being forgetful, well, first let's look at how old are they? Right. You know, if they're in their 80s or something, you know, that very well could be aging, although most people, I'm sorry to say, jump right to the dementia conclusion. Yep. But, you know, there's other things that can cause forgetfulness or confusion or other things that people might think about uh, calling um, dementia. Yep. And just a few of those is if you have a thyroid disease that you're not taking medication for, or depression, anemia, um, or something that comes on quickly, because I've had people call me and say, oh, just in the last three days, mom developed dementia. And I'm like, <laughs> no, she didn't. I, I, I don't. I know, and I don't, I don't mean to laugh to come across as being sound insensitive, but you're absolutely right. That is the first thing that, that people will jump to. And it's really, it's really hard to know. And again, you're going to hear me say this over and over um, throughout this episode and, and probably throughout the multiple times that we're going to be having this discussion and conversation about Alzheimer's and dementia. This is one of many. Um, right. because it, I know it's a passion of yours. It's certainly a passion um, of mine, having dealt with it um, with my dad and um, just from my own personal experience. Just a few weeks ago, my mom was really concerned about not being able to remember and recall knitting patterns or, um, you know, something that, that had happened 30 minutes ago and she would get so flustered. So we went to see her internist. They gave her that snapshot in time test. I'm, I'm drawing a blank on, um, what it was, um, what it's called. Cause there's, there's several of them. Right. Um, but from there, there was a baseline and now we know from there, whether or not in a week, a month, a year minimum, there's that change. And then you recalibrate to, to know where that new baseline is. So it, um, and, and the other thing that not only with the thyroid, not only with anemia, um, depression, anxiety, how about foggy brain from being polypharmacy? How oh, about, yeah. you know, having, 
and and I forget what the average number of medications, the average 70, 75 year old takes, it's in the teens. Yep. My mom just alone, my mom takes, I want to say close to 20, 20 different medications. And then we're in the process of having a full uh, med check review and we're going to eliminate hopefully a lot of those, but you get cloudy brain. You have that many drugs on board. What if you're not taking them consistently at the right time? Then they're interacting with the other medications that you are taking at the right time. And it just puts you in a medicated fog. Is that Alzheimer's and dementia? No, it's, it's being polypharmacy and not having taken the time to go through one by one by one with the, with the loved one and the family member or members of all the different medications that you're taking and whether or not they're absolutely needed. And if they're not, let's try to eliminate them to see if that helps improve memory, cognitive uh, functioning. Absolutely. Um, one of my employees was starting to worry about her husband because his mother uh, had Alzheimer's um, mm -hmm. and he was a little bit of cloudy brain, uh, slow thought retrieval, um, starting to, sh you know, present kind of like his mother did early on, mm -hmm. but they removed um, a medication he'd been taking. And within a week, she's like, oh, that stuff's gone. Yeah. So sometimes when you have issues like that, you're, you're entirely right look at the medications um, because there's some medications that will affect your ability to think or function. Um, and maybe there's a different one that can be pre prescribed for whatever it was originally uh, intended to help you with that won't have those side effects. Or unfortunately, when somebody has like 20 medications, um, it may be some of the later medications were added to deal with the side effects of some of the early medications. Mm -hmm. And again, if you back up and go through it one by one with a pharmacist or a doctor, um, sometimes you can start figuring out, oh, well, maybe if we changed medication number one or number two to something else, then we don't need three or four other medications. Right. Um, you know, so yeah, there's, there's a lot to it. For sure. And there's, there's multi there. It's, it's, it's just, it, it blows my mind that it is the only known disease that we do not have a cure for. Think about that out of the hundreds or thousands of diseases. I don't even know how many there are. Alzheimer's is the only disease that we do not have a cure for. So therefore there's never been a survivor. There are new medications that are, you know, that, that have advanced um, to the point where, you know, statistically it's been shown to delay early onset what those exact statistics are. I'm not sure. You can find that at the, um, on the alls.org, alz.org website, um, which everybody that has a loved one over the age of 65 or 65 themselves should get on there and bookmark it because that is your one-stop shop for anything and everything Alzheimer's and dementia related. Um, but it, it, there's never been a survivor. 
Right. There's never been a survivor. So hopefully we can continue to, you know, raise awareness. We've got advocates, we've got, you know, clinical trials that are going on. There's, there's a ton of stuff that we can do um, to, to work towards that, uh, that first survivor. So, um, all right. I thought what I would want, what I wanted to do next was, uh, was share a story. If, if you'll let me, John, um, shouldn't, shouldn't take that long. I want to share a story about a gentleman that, um, I got to know very, very well over the years. Um, this, this gentleman, started drinking and smoking heavily at 16. Um, he did so for both for 30 years uh, before one day he decided to stop both cold turkey and was successful. He was a longshoreman for 42 years. Um, and over the course of those 42 years, um, he beat his body, excuse my language, he, he, he beat his body to shit. He beat his body, um, he beat his body up and he, uh, he finally, after having multiple injuries, finally decided to retire in 1996. And since that time, his health quality of life started to decline. His overall quality of life continued to decrease, um, and medically, John, I know you'll appreciate this, having been in the medical field in some capacity for close to, you know, 20 plus years, he was a medical train wreck. Um, and I mean that with the utmost uh, respect for him. Um, but he was, he, he medically, he was just a nightmare. Um, since 90, since 1996, um, he had been diagnosed with Severe, what started out as mild to moderate cerebral vascular disease, which for those of you that don't know what that is, cerebral vascular disease is the equivalent to cardiovascular disease in your heart, but it's in your brainstem. Heavy smoking, heavy drinking increases the plaque buildup of your, um, of your neuro pathways um, and your vascular system within uh, your brainstem, and you present with Parkinson's. It's like you have Parkinson's. You shake, you have tremors, uh, you, it's a, you have a hard time walking. It's a nightmare. Um, so he had had since 96, what started out as mild cerebral, cerebral vascular disease ultimately developed into severe cerebral vascular disease. Parkinson's, pseudo Parkinson's because of the tremors, congestive heart failure, COPD, um, kidney stones, um, chronic uh, urinary tract infections, uh, septic shock several times, bout with MRSA, not once, but twice, daily IV infusions for six weeks, not once, but twice, um, hip fracture surgery and rehab, and as you probably guessed, given the topic, Alzheimer's and dementia. Um Put that in a little more context, John, from December of 2008, and I think we had just, we had just met, you know, we had met in, in late 2008 and our, nearly the, 
weren't nearly the good friends that we are now then, obviously. But in December of 2018, from December of 2019, okay, in one year, 11 trips to the emergency room, seven multi-night hospital stays, and the progression of dementia and Alzheimer's. And it got so bad, the Alzheimer's and dementia, John, it got so bad that one afternoon, uh, this gentleman had figured out a way, and I refer to them as the dementia demons, okay? There are... Anybody that's had a, a relative or a loved one that's had severe dementia, you have hallucinations. You see things that aren't there. You hear things that aren't happening. You have demons that overtake your ability to be you and your ability to be present, right? And so I refer to them, I always refer to them as the dementia demons, Got so bad that one afternoon he figured out how to open up the garage door and we had a ramp uh, into the into the house, wheeled himself down and was needing, was trying to let um, the fire department in because the house was on fire. He was screaming, he was yelling. And fortunately, my neighbor was pulling up at the time, heard him um, and went over and was trying to figure out what was going on, wheeled him back into the house. And we dodged a bullet. He easily could have tried to, you know, wheel himself up the ramp on his own, not been in, in alignment, fell over, knocked himself out, broke his neck, whatever. So that was where we really started to see in this gentleman, who if you haven't figured it out by now, is my dad. Um, it's never, never easy to, it's not, and it's not. And, and I've talked about it so many times to the people that, that know me and, and have heard the story and I didn't expect it to hit me like it did. So I apologize. Um, it's quite okay. And one comment I want to make, sometimes those demons, especially when there's multiple conditionings ha conditions happening can also come from the medications that are prescribed. Yep. And um, it was what, a lot of it was John, you're absolutely what, right. And that's how I know so much about that. Yeah. I, I know sometimes doctors uh, with good intentions will prescribe like an antipsychotic, which is normally for people with bipolar or schizophrenia, but it also helps. <laughs> You mean something them. like Seroquel? Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And for some, some people, the side effects are hallucinations and and even becoming good. violent at times. So, again, yeah. it's, you know, whenever we take on uh, dealing with somebody with dementia and we look at their meds, that's always like a point blank question for the doctor. Yeah. Why are they on Seroquel yeah. or a couple of the other ones? Yeah. What What's being treated? If, well, if you're just trying to get them to sleep at night, so they're not up all night while the family's trying to sleep, let, let's try something else, yeah, you know, yep. uh, that may not have the drastic side effects. So, so true. And I, we did not understand and, and realize we were ignorant. We were uneducated, right? We didn't, we didn't know, excuse me, what we didn't know. And, um, it was, it was 
it was so hard and it was, it was awful to go through it, but it was even worse to watch my dad and, you know, my, my mom's husband of 47 years go through it when she'd been his caregiver for 47 years and was just absolutely helpless and beside herself because she couldn't, um, she didn't know what to do. And there were pockets and moments where, you know, he was present and then he was taken over by the demons and I would be remiss. And I wish she was on the show with us. Hopefully we can convince her at some point to come on. Uh, but I would be remiss if I did not give a huge shout out to, to Sam, Sam Dimchak, um, who this podcast is named after the networking group she started. Right. But she was the one that pointed out man, look at all these different medications. His head has just got to be in a fog. And when we had that addressed, it helped him. Now, by that time, it had progressed to the point where the moments of him being present were becoming less and less. But when he was present, he wasn't in a fog, which is, and so Sam, I know you're listening. Hopefully you're watching Thank you. I love you. You're my family's angel, uh, guardian angel. You always will be. Um, that being said, all right. So that was bullet number one. Dodged a bullet there. Bullet number two, a couple weeks later, my wife was having one of her occasional bouts of insomnia. She's out in the living room. We're downstairs. Um, mom, dad's upstairs, opposite end of the house. 1.30 in the morning. And she hears this faint banging, just a faint banging. It's just like, what the hell is that? Pause the, you know, mutes the TV. Uh-oh, dad's doing something. So she runs upstairs. He had had a crystal candy dish that he kept his milk duds in, and he was banging it on the window, trying to, because the SWAT team needed to come in. And he wanted, they were trying to come in and he was going to jump out the window. Now, fortunately, it had gotten to the point where he was getting too verbally abusive for my mom, for them to be around each other all the time. So she was downstairs with us. Otherwise, she would have woken up and would have been able to help him. But that was bullet number two. How it, to this day, I have no idea for as loud as he was banging that window how it did not shatter, slice his wrist, he would have bled out, and we would have found him the next morning. Bullet, dodge bullet number two. Bullet number three, two days later, that was on a, that was on a Saturday, either Friday, two days later, Monday night. It's five o'clock. My wife, Tara, goes upstairs to um, see if dad was, was ready to eat. Um, and, and mom was back upstairs. No, mom was still back downstairs with us. Cause she didn't, she didn't see this. Um, and this is going to be hard for her. And I know, I think she's listening and I know she's watching. This is going to be hard for her. Um, but Tara went up, dad, you ready to eat? No, not yet. I'm doing the, doing the dishes. He was present. He was a hundred percent present. Now doing the dishes to him meant doing the dishes, which included, putting away knives. Okay. Now 
you might say, and I've had people say, why in the bleep would you have knives in the house when you had, you know, you knew this was going on and blah, blah, blah. Valid question. Answer, because he never gave us reason up to that point to not have those in the house. He would still use a knife and fork when he would eat. Now he needed help at times, but he would still do it. So she leaves, she goes back downstairs. She goes up 20, 30 minutes later and the demons got him and the demons got him good. He's got 12 inch, um, 12 inch bread knife, uh, bread knife, serrated bread knife in his wheelchair in the living room, swinging it wildly around you know, stabbing behind his neck. He was being attacked. The demons were attacking him. And like with the ramp, like with the candy dish and the window, it is a miracle that he did not cut himself, that he did not stab himself, that he did not slash his neck. Because he was all over the place and he was not giving up the knife. And he wouldn't give up the knife. We had no choice because he wouldn't give up the knife, but to call the police. And that was the hardest phone call I've ever had to make, was calling the police on my dad. Yeah, but his safety was more important. His safety was more important. And we dodged three bullets. We weren't going to dodge a fourth. And our hard line in the sand was as soon as he becomes a safety or health risk to him, to himself or anybody else in the house, he was going to have to be evaluated for next level care. And yep. we dodged three bullets. <clears throat> and so the police came, they had us go downstairs. They were with him for about 20 minutes. Um, we requested that he get the, um, have a med, check and a psyche valve because the psyche valve was a, was a uh, mandatory required 48 hour hold. Um, so it was going to give us 48 hours to try to figure out what was going on and what our options were. So he goes to the hospital. He gets admitted. That's on a Monday. We find out Tuesday that because of the chronic UTIs and because of the advancement of his Alzheimer's, he needed next level care. He needed to be in memory care. We had gone from keeping him aging in place to skipping over assisted living right into memory care, which on future episodes we'll, we'll explain and we're going to go into the difference uh, between those and who's appropriate for those and who's not. But he completely skipped assisted living straight into memory care. Where is he going to go? I, we have 24 hours now because Medicare is no longer going to pay after that 48 hours. They right. give you 24. He can either go home or go somewhere where else you have to arrange. Like, Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? What the heck are we going to do? 
I call Sam, I call Lori, I call Kelly Johnson, and I'm I'm scrambling. I'm calling all of my people to try to figure out what the heck we're going to do. And Sam, who was the community relations director at Winsong Memory Care in West Salem, I don't know how she did it, but she got him a room within 24 hours. That was the Thursday before Thanksgiving. 21 days later, the Thursday before Christmas, he passed away. And I think he knew. I think he knew at that time that his his time was coming and that he passed away on a thursday and that monday was the first time that my that mom had been able to see him in three weeks over three weeks because she was recovering from hip fracture surgery of her own Mm -hmm. so she was at salem transitional care and she got discharged and i was on a that was a monday afternoon um, I dropped her off and she was there for uh, three, three and a half hours and driving home and she's quiet. She's fiddling like she always does. Fiddling. Look over at her. Did you have a good visit with dad? Big old tears in her eyes. Looks at me. Yeah. Yeah, we did. What did you guys talk about? Well, we laughed, we cried. We talked about a bunch of nothing. We told each other how much we loved each other, how they wouldn't change anything over the last 47 years. That they were sorry for any hurt or pain that they caused the other. And that it was okay. And that what is in God's will will be done. That's what she said to me. And it was as if, call it what you want. I prefer, it was as if God was saying, it's time. But I'm going to, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you your husband back. And I said, mom, that's awesome. And I'm so happy for you. It makes my heart so happy. And she said, yeah, I had my husband back. And then he was, uh, everybody else in the family on uh, on Tuesday and, and Wednesday got to say goodbye. And we knew it was by that time he was on hospice. And because of the, the chronic UTIs and his advanced directives were no advanced medical care. Well, I know now, but didn't know then that IV antibiotics for um, an infection is considered advanced medical care. So once he went off the antibiotics for the UTIs, it was just, you know, not a matter of if, but a matter of when. And it was about 48 hours later. And um <laughs> This is the last part of the story that um, always gets me. I'm sorry. Well, I listening to you talk, it really sounds like those last few days were a gift to the whole yeah, family. They were. They were, John. That's very well said. 
that's very well said and it couldn't be couldn't be more more true um and that thursday and tim had always made the promise that no matter when it is when his time does come he will not be alone if you're not there if tara's not there if mom's not there if somebody's not there she would be there and we were taking my mom that Thursday, we were taking my mom up to the airport um, so she could fly to Phoenix and, and spend some time with, with my older brother and sister and just be with them. And we got the call on the way to the airport from Sam that he was gone. And she stayed with him. She held his hand for 45 minutes until Miles Johnson, shout out to Miles Johnson and Johnson's funeral home. Incredible. Until they came to get him. And she kept her promise that he would be wheeled out in front of everybody. No blanket, no sheet, not out the back door. With pride, with dignity, with humility and Sam I love you thank you um so since then I've tried to do my part and do what I can to try to help families be more prepared for this disease because it's awful it takes your soul it takes your being and no loved one, no family member should have to go through that ever. I, I agree with you on that. It, so that's my, and, that's my story. And I know for me with my mother, uh, I was angry for a while. Absolutely. Um, until, you know, uh, the director of the assisted living, she was at kind of chewed my fanny and, set me straight but i was angry because she wasn't who i wanted her to be anymore mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. you know like so many people i've i've met in years after kept wanting to argue and and change them and talk them back to reality and that just doesn't work we we have to change to meet them because we have that ability yeah. while they don't because yeah. no matter what kind of dementia it is and just for clarification there are many many different kinds of dementia 30 some or, right or maybe even more there's over 120 I okay Gee, that was way um, wow. and and then some that are dementia related type okay. diseases but dementia itself that word is an umbrella term for a whole bunch of different diseases you know alzheimer's is one uh, vascular dementia is yep. another frontal temporal is another uh, there's a bunch of body but every one of them is a form of brain failure so they cannot come back to normal and that's why i can't stress enough to people i meet you have to be the one to change to meet them and i frequently tell a story about um a couple i met with once where he used to work at nasa he was an engineer very logical thinking 
his wife was very logical thinking. And when I met with him, she told me, well, he's just getting stupid. And I'm like, what do you mean? And she goes, he wants to feed the chickens and we don't have chickens. And I just turned and looked at him and said, did you grow up on a farm? Yes. When you were a kid, did you feed the chickens? Yes. Yep. It made perfect sense to me. Yep. That when he's wanting to feed the chickens, his mind is back in his childhood on the farm. It's not in their living room today. And, you know, I convinced her to buy some bird seed and the caregiver that worked with him, they would go out and sprinkle bird seed beyond the edge of the yard because, you know, he didn't want it in the grass. But where they used to have a garden, they sprinkled it. And, you know, he felt like he was feeding the chickens and, you know, some birds would occasionally land and start picking up the bird seeds. So it, it kind of fit where his mind was at mm-hmm. um, rather than just arguing and fighting all the time and telling him he was stupid. You know, uh, the wife just really, it, it didn't fit in her logical mind. Yeah. Um, but thankfully down the road a ways, uh, they moved together uh, to where he was in memory care and she was just down the hall in assisted living. So okay. she wasn't, dealing with that 24 hours a day right she could go see him for two or three hours a day or have lunch with him or whatever but she still had her own time with people that made sense to her and sure you know so it's like you say it's a horrible disease it is no cure and um watching someone you love go through it it's awful. I, I would think being staked out over an anthill with honey poured on you would be more pleasant than watching that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've had a couple of root canals. I'd re- probably rather have a root canal than than watch somebody go through that. You know, um, it's it's painful. But um, you know, part of the part of the mission of and the purpose behind us creating um, this podcast and kind of morphing your radio show in with the better together networking group is if between the two of us, if we can help one family be more prepared for all that comes with caring for an aging loved one, whether they're aging in place, which even as a, as a realtor is always going to be my preference. If I can help somebody age in place versus selling their home, I'm going to choose aging in place a hundred percent of the time because it's the right thing to do and it's best for them. Um, but if we can help just one family be more prepared for all that comes with caring for and, and, um, you know, having a, an aging loved one in our lives or you in their lives, there's a lot that you got to be prepared for. And this is part of it because one in three seniors dies with Alzheimer's or another dementia. Right. And I I don't remember the statistical number, but quite quite often like your mother, the person that gets overwhelmed and does not take care of themselves will oftentimes pass away before the person with dementia. One third. Yeah. One third, yeah. one third of primary caregivers will will pass away before the before the person that they're caring for, and it's usually the spouse. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's statistically, it's typically the wife caring for the husband, 
husband's health, they've been in the family home for 30, 40 plus years. Husband's health gets to the point where after, after a holiday, family members see that this is not working. Something's got to change, right? And then that just starts a snowball. And if you're not ready to avoid the snowball or if you're not ready to keep it in certain, you know, in certain spots, it, that avalanche is, it's just going to, it's, it's going to, it's going to maul you over. It'll, it'll, it'll just tear right through you. So let's, um, we're getting, we're getting almost here to to 45 minutes. I know we went a little over last time. I want to try to be respectful of everybody's time. Um, what I thought I would do to kind of finish up, if you don't mind, John, is just going over some the the 2021 Alzheimer's disease facts and figures. Sure. So we'll start with discrimination, and and we'll put this up on the uh, uh, in the in the comment section. But all of this information uh, can be found at alz.org. Couldn't be any simpler www.alz.org. Discrimination um, is a barrier to Alzheimer's and dementia care. These populations reported discrimination when seeking health care. 50% of Black Americans, 42% of Native Americans, 34% Asian Americans, and 33% Hispanic Americans. That is just, that's awful. That that should should never discrimination and in any context should never come into play, especially when we're dealing with something that has no cure. Um, that that is incredible. That blows my mind. Um, one in three seniors. I've already mentioned this. One in three seniors dies with Alzheimer's or another dementia. More than six million Americans are living with Alzheimer's um, at any one time. of Alzheimer's and dementia deaths have increased due to the COVID pandemic. So that's increased 16%. Over 11 million Americans provide unpaid care for people with Alzheimer's or other dementias. These caregivers provided an estimated 15.3 billion hours valued at nearly 257 billion. Alzheimer's dementia kills more than guess the two the two cancers combined. Um, lung Put me on the spot. Colon. Lung and colon. Ooh, close. Breast and prostate. Ah. Breast and prostate. So also combined. Just not one or the other, but combined between. 2000 and 2019, deaths from heart disease have decreased 7.3%, while deaths from Alzheimer's disease has increased, take a guess. By more than double that. Uh, (laughs) Try 145%. I'm going to read that one again. Between Between 2000 and 2019, Deaths from heart disease have decreased 7.3%, while deaths from Alzheimer's disease has increased 145%. That is just, that is incredible. In 2021, Alzheimer's and other dementias will cost the nation $355 billion. 
And by 2050, these costs could rise to more than 1.1 trillion. Crazy numbers. Crazy numbers. So we gotta we gotta continue the the fight. We gotta continue the research. We gotta continue the awareness. Uh, like I said at the beginning of the show, this is going to be one of many that we're going to do on this topic. Um, and uh, and I'm certainly looking forward to uh, Derek Queen coming on and talking about the empathy training, what all that entails. Um, and just having me go through that entire experience so I can have a better idea and understanding of what my dad went through and numbers kind of dictate that what my mom, um, at some, at some, you know, degree or some level at some point, if she stays alive long enough, we'll probably have to deal with. So, um, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, that's, that's good training and even when you think you know something about dementia, going through that kind of training is a real eye opener, a, For sure. a big awakening to kind of understanding what it's like to be in their shoes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, that was all I had. I didn't, uh, I didn't necessarily um, anticipate or expect it getting as deep and as heavy as it did. Um, I appreciate the, the audience and, everybody watching live and, and listening, um, allowing me the opportunity to share my story. Um, it, uh, it's been empowering and the, the time that you give me to do that is not lost on me and I'm very thankful. So thank you, uh, for that. John, did you have any other, uh, final, final comments before I wrap this up for us? No, I, I think I'll just repeat that if you're worried about a loved one, uh, maybe having dementia, um, one, get one of those basic tests. Yeah. Two, have your primary care doctor do routine uh, blood draw and lab work to rule out, you know, uh, other things. Because sometimes uh, people that are dehydrated or other fairly simple things to, to fix are showing signs that kind of look like dementia. Uh, but oftentimes those tests and the visit to the doctor, um, as well as the baseline tests of cognitive function, you know, can make a world of difference. Yeah, for sure. hundred percent. And one thing that I didn't mention that I want to definitely make sure that I get out there is the toll-free number um, for 24-7 helpline, Alzheimer's Dementia, Alzheimer's Association helpline. That phone number is 800 Two seven two three nine zero zero eight hundred two seven two three nine zero zero. I would certainly be remiss if I didn't mention that um, as well. And all calls are uh, completely confidential and um, will respect anonymity. Anonymity, however you're supposed to say that, um, if uh, if that's needed. So. Uh, all right, John. Well, thank you for, uh, for letting me share what I did. I, I appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah. All right. Well, like I've, I've said in the previous episodes, I truly believe that in order us, in order for us to have better lives, better families, better communities, and provide better resources for our seniors, we must be better together. Thank you so much for tuning in and watching the show. 
uh, and listening to the audio version of the podcast. Um, these are available on all of the uh, podcast platforms. Um, if you found this information and show a value, I would love for you to like, subscribe, comment, and uh, check us out in another two weeks on Tuesday at two. Um, I've been your host, Sean Sybin. I'm a realtor licensed in the state of Oregon with EXP Realty based out of Salem and a certified seniors real estate specialist covering the entire Willamette Valley, serving senior clients ages 55 and over with passion and compassion. You can reach me at 503-569-5651. My email is sean.sibon, S-I-B-O-N, sean, S-H-A-W-N, dot S-I-B-O-N at exprealty.com or by visiting my website at www.seansibon.exprealty.com. Lastly, a huge thanks to my esteemed colleague and good friend, John Hughes, owner of Comfort Care In-Home Care, located at 3470 Pipe Bend Place, Northeast, Suite 100, uh, Salem, Oregon, 97301. John, tell everybody how they can get in contact with you or Comfort Care. Uh, you can email me at jhughes at comfortcare.com. That's C-O-M-F-O-R-C-A-R-E.com. Or call our office at 503-400-6637. Um, here at our business, we have two certified dementia educators, and we are a certified test location for the Alzheimer's Foundation of America. Their website, where you can find locations close to you for testing, is alzfdn.org. Beautiful. All righty. I appreciate it, John. We'll, uh, if I don't talk to you before, have a safe, healthy, and happy new year. And uh, we'll see you back in another two weeks on Tuesday at two o'clock. That would be, what date is that? February, geez, I should know when the next one is, shouldn't I? The 11th, February 11th. February 11th. Yep. Tuesday, February 11th, 2 p.m. All right. We'll be All righty. Thanks, John. Appreciate it. Have a good rest of your day. You too. All righty. All right. Bye-bye.